let's pray together just before we uh, come to his word now. Father God, we acknowledge that you are a great God. You are a great God of grace and glory and power and might, one who has come to save us. And Lord, we thank you that you're in our midst uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the power of your word, and living in your people, your church. So Lord, as we gather in your presence, we pray that you would speak to us from your living word, that you would give us ears to hear you, hearts to respond to you, and lives to praise you. We pray these things for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're turning to God's Word now, and we're reading from uh, John chapter 11. Uh, John chapter 11, and uh, if you have a pew Bible handy or a, a, a church Bible handy there, uh, it's on page 1078. The words will be on the screen, uh, but you might like to follow along in a Bible as well. So we're reading uh, from John chapter 11, verses 17 to 44. And uh, thanks to the guys for leading us in our praise as we come in to God's presence and to his word. Uh, So we're starting at at verse 17. And just uh, to to paint a little bit of a background, so uh, Jesus' friend Lazarus has died. The word has come to him that Lazarus is dead. Uh, He waits where he is for a couple of days. And then he and his disciples make their way over to Bethany. So that's where we're breaking into the story at verse 17 of John chapter 11. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, when they noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you led him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, 
By this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the the grave clothes and let him go. Amen. Amen. Well, I guess if I asked you this evening... Who won the U.S. presidential election? You would be able to tell me. I guess if I asked you what was the result of the Brexit referendum, you would probably be able to give me an answer. We see, we know that for better or for worse, Donald Trump won the U.S. presidential election and that the U.K. has voted to leave the European Union. You see, we know the results. We know what happened. And you see, for us tonight, that's one of the challenges as we look at this story of the meeting of Jesus with the dead Lazarus all those years ago in Bethany. We know what happened. You see, even people who don't go to church know this story. And they know the result of this event. And so when we hear this story again, well, we're no longer surprised. We're no longer shocked. But can you imagine... Can you just imagine being in that cemetery that day? Oh, we've all been in such a place, haven't we? In a graveyard. We've stood out at Roselawn or over at the city cemetery or wherever. We stood there on those sad days and we've wept those tears. We know what it's like. Now imagine, imagine for a moment that you're there in that cemetery in Bethany that day. And you're there with Mary and Martha and those mourners. And they're mourning the death of their brother and their friend Lazarus. Their brother whom they love dearly has died. He's been dead and buried for four days. And their world has fallen apart. They are in bits. And then... And then along comes Jesus. Along comes Jesus and and he danders into that cemetery and he strolls up to the tomb and he says to the mourners, take away the stone. Take away the stone. No, no, Martha protests. No, I don't think you really want to go there, Jesus. He's been dead for four days. And well, he's starting to smell pretty bad too. Lazarus is dead as a dodo. And as the old King James Version puts it, by this time he stinketh. Yes, death stinketh, doesn't it? It really does. But Jesus insists, no, no, listen to me. Roll away the stone. I am the resurrection and the life. Where do you see what I can do? 
And then you imagine the scene in that graveyard as Jesus speaks three simple words to a dead man. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man comes out alive and kicking. You see, in our little preaching plan for tonight, the title of the talk is Lazarus is Raised. But, but we might better call it Jesus is the Resurrection and the Life. For this story tonight, it's not primarily about Lazarus. No, for just like the rest of the Bible, this story is primarily about Jesus. So for this evening, I believe that God has led it on my heart to look at these words of Jesus, what they tell us about him, and what they mean to each of us here tonight at Orangefield. In John eleven twenty five, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, Jesus speaks these words, and then he backs up his words with his actions. What Jesus does authenticates what Jesus says and what Jesus claims to be. The resurrection and the life. This is one of those seven unique I am sayings that Jesus, uh, that are in, uh, of Jesus that are in John's gospel. Ken looked at one of these sayings last Sunday evening in John 10 where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. You see, each of these I am sayings, they identify God the Son with God the Father. God the Father who had disclosed his name to the Israelites in the Old Testament simply as I am. When God spoke to the Israelites in the desert, when Moses asked him, who shall I say sent me? God said, say, I am has sent you. So each of these I am sayings, they, 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 they link Jesus with the Father and they disclose a little bit more of who Jesus is. He is God. He is the great I am. He is also the bread of life, the light of the world, the gate, the shepherd, the way, the truth and the life, and the true vine. Here Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And these words were spoken in that graveyard in Bethany. Bethany, a village two miles outside of Jerusalem. At this stage, Jesus was coming to near the end of his public ministry and opposition against him was growing. And this was a defining moment in Jesus' mission. You see, in verse 53 of this same chapter, it tells us that from that very day, the Jewish leaders plotted to kill Jesus. And we'll be looking at that in a couple of weeks' time. Enough to say at this point that Jesus is committed to his friends even unto death and beyond. For bringing Lazarus back to life will lead to Jesus' own death, but Jesus' death will lead to life for all his friends, for you and for me. You see, Lazarus' resurrection points us forward to Jesus' resurrection, and Jesus' resurrection points us forward to our resurrection at his return. For the Bible is just one big unfolding resurrection story. And we simply look at one episode of it here tonight. So as we would seek to, to know more about this Jesus, let's have a closer look at, th- at three things that this passage tells us as we look at these words here together. The first thing that these words tell us 
about is the person behind the words. The person behind the words. Jesus, fully God and fully man. As we've just sung, my Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. And you see, one of the things that tells us that there is none like Jesus is that he alone can honestly use these words. No one else can. You see, none of Jesus' disciples could ever have said them. None of the dead man's family could have said them. None of the other mourners could have said them. None of the Jewish leaders could have said them. Only Jesus could say, I am the resurrection and the life, and then go on to prove it. And here you see Jesus is not only saying that Martha is right to believe in the resurrection. No, Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection. And combined in this uniquely great person that we are told about in the gospel is everything that is true of our humanness. Jesus comes here full of love and compassion and he weeps. He weeps with sadness for his dead friend. But Jesus also comes full of everything that is true of the great divine I am. Almighty and sovereign even over death itself. This incident in the cemetery at Bethany, it's one more proof that Jesus is fully God and fully man. You see, only Jesus can speak these words for only he is qualified to do so. And that is why, that is why it is so important for us to listen to him, to respond to him, to let him be our friend. Oh, what a privilege, what a privilege that Mary and Martha could call Jesus their friend. And that Jesus could say to his disciples in verse 11 of this chapter, he he says, our friend Lazarus, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Lazarus and Mary and Martha, they were friends with Jesus. And Jesus was friends with them. And Jesus has so much sympathy and compassion for his friends that it moves him to tears. The shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, and it simply says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now what made Jesus weep? Well, it was the love that he had for his friends. That's what it was. Jesus wept for love of his friends when he saw what death had done to them. Jesus understands our sufferings. Jesus empathizes with his friends in their times of distress and suffering and need. So Jesus is uniquely both God and man, the only one who understands both completely. He is the only one who is ever able to say, I am the resurrection and the life. That's the person behind the words, Jesus, fully God, fully man. And you see, these words are also full of great power. And that's the second thing that we want to look at this evening. The power of the words. The power of the words enough to raise the dead. Again, as we've sung, power and majesty, praise to the king. He has the power. You see, Jesus not just has this empathy and compassion that no one else has. Jesus also has this power and authority that no one else has. When Jesus stands at that graveyard and he says those words, he is directly challenging the greatest enemy known to man. 
What is that enemy? Don't we see it in that cold tomb? Don't we see it on the faces of Mary and Martha? Don't we see it on the faces of mourners still today? What is it? Our greatest enemy is death. Is death. You see, none of us can defeat death. No earthly king or queen or celebrity can defeat it. No army or navy or nation can defeat it. It's our greatest enemy. We can be the healthiest, wealthiest, wisest, most popular person in the world. And just like that, death can wipe us out. We can have the biggest hopes and dreams and plans in the world. And just like that, death can come and bring it all to nothing. It's, cause, it gets pos- it's able to cause great pain and great suffering in our lives. This racker came in when Adam and Eve sinned and rebelled against God. And it's waiting to claim every member of fallen humanity. It's waiting to rip through our lives. And so we try not to think about it. We try not to think about it. We don't talk about it. We watch hours of television. We follow sports teams. We play computer games. We work. We go on holidays. We spend our lives doing all sorts of things but thinking about our own death. Preparing for the inevitable. How much time have we spent doing that? Are we prepared for it? See, the Bible tells us loud and clear in Hebrews 9 that man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. And there is no going beyond that destined event. Death is so powerful, none of us can stop it. None of us can hold it back. It's coming to keep its appointment with us, and we can't stop it. And you see, it's not like a doctor's appointment or a hairdresser's appointment. No, we can't phone up and cancel it. We can't make excuses. We can't say that we forgot about it because it's coming to us, and it won't forget. This is one appointment that we will not miss, folks. It's going to happen. Are we ready? Are we ready? Yet you see, here is Jesus. Here is Jesus in the face of the greatest enemy at work in the world, in the face of death. He's standing at a grave with a decaying body inside. He's squaring up to our most feared opponent. Death has done its worst. Death has landed its best punch, but Jesus shows up. Jesus looks death straight in the eye and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he lands one crushing blow as he calls forth Lazarus from the grave. Praise the Lord. You see, Mary and Martha and all these mourners, they've been in the presence of death and they've seen what it can do. But now, but now they stand in the presence of Jesus and now they get to see what he can do. Death is powerful, but it's not all powerful. It's not all powerful. There is one force more powerful than death and we see what, or more precisely who, who that is in the graveyard in Bethany. 
These words of Jesus are full of power and we must listen to him. So as our own appointment with death approaches, if we haven't already said yes to Jesus, well, don't we really want to be friends with the one who can stand with the risen Lazarus? The one who can even stand at the other side of his own empty tomb and look back mockingly, shaking the stolen keys of death and hell and calling out, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Don't we want to be friends with this Jesus? This one who is Lord over death, this one who turns death from being a destination of destruction into being a doorway to glory. Don't we want to be friends with him? Trusting in him, living for him as we go forward into the future? This is the Jesus who can, this very night, come into our hearts by his Spirit, with all the power of resurrection life, come into our hearts as they perhaps lie dead in the darkness of sin, and he can breathe new life, resurrection life, resurrection power into us. You see, Jesus makes us alive now and alive for eternity. Jesus gives us a victory over sin and death now and forever. When we become friends with him, when we let him into our hearts, we're born again. His spirit comes to live inside us. He makes us spiritually alive. Without him, we're dead. We're dead as Lazarus. But Jesus is able to raise the dead and give new life. Raising the dead and giving new life, that's just his thing. Resurrection and life, that's his thing. You see, I was speaking with a lady recently and and she told me that her 25-year-old son had recently become a Christian. She's not a Christian herself yet, but she said to me, he's just so much more alive. And of course she's right. She's right because that's what Jesus does. That's what Christianity is all about. It's all about life, life in all its fullness, life eternal. And if you're not a believer yet, well, Jesus is calling you out of that tomb, out of that tomb of death tonight. For Jesus is still calling people by his spirit, by his word. Jesus is still calling people and Jesus is still making people alive. No one else can do that. No one else can do that. And just as all those years ago, Jesus called Lazarus from death to life, so this evening he's calling you too from death to life. And the question is, if you've not already responded then, what are you going to do with this call? Are you going to respond to Jesus and step out of that tomb and into the fullness of life? Or are you going to ignore him and stay dead? See, these words of Jesus are full of power and and they're full of great power, enough to raise the dead. And lastly, these words of Jesus are full of great promise. For we see the promise in the words, eternal life. Verse 23, Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. When he explained he's the resurrection, the life, well, what is the promise of those words? The promise of those words is eternal life. And nothing compares to the promise we have in him. 
You see, by an awesome act of, of Jesus' grace and power, this Lazarus who is dead he is decaying, well, he is going to live again. He's going to come out of the grave and be renewed because of what Jesus is. Lazarus will live again. The Bible continues to speak into the problem of death when it speaks in 1 Corinthians 15. It talks about the general resurrection of the dead at Christ's return. Paul writes that the dead will be raised imperishable. Imperishable. You see, when when Jesus returns to wrap up history, those who have fallen asleep in him will be raised incorruptible. And he will transform our perishable bodies into glorious, imperishable resurrection bodies like his own. And because, well, Jesus promised to bring his friend Lazarus back to life, and he did. We might say the proof of the pudding was in the eating, so to speak. Well, when Jesus promises to bring all his friends back to life on his return, then we know that he can and that he will do exactly that. You see, folks, Lazarus is just a little foretaste of what is going to happen on that wonderful day. That is our hope. That is the Christian hope, the Christian assurance. That is why Jesus came. Death brings many things to an end, but Jesus, Jesus brings death to an end. Death is dead, love has won, Christ has conquered. You see, Jesus' own resurrection that first Easter day absolutely guarantees that death will not have the last word. No, because he has defeated death and because he is alive forevermore. Death does not have the last word. Jesus has the last word, and that last word is life. Life. When the trumpet sounds and the Lord returns, as he walks through those graveyards of the world, through those rose lawns and city cemeteries, as he walks through the graveyards of the world, he's going to call out, and he's not going to call out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. No, he's going to drop the Lazarus bit. He's going to drop the Lazarus bit and he's going to call out in a loud voice, come out. And everyone, everyone's going to come out of their grave and what a wonderful day that will be. Just as I finish, the Bible assures us that those who have responded to Christ's call in this life will be raised to everlasting glory. But it also warns us that those who have rejected Christ's call in this life will be raised to everlasting destruction. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to go there? No, those who have accepted Christ's call will rise to glory. You can accept the call tonight. Those who have accepted this call of Christ will rise to glory. When he returns in power and calls forth his people, we will rise in triumph. We will see him face to face. We will live with him in the fullness of his glory and grace. And we will give him alone our highest praise. For he alone is the resurrection and the life. Shall we pray together for a moment? Let us pray. Let's just take a moment to 
to meditate on what God's been saying to us from his word here this evening and to respond to him as he leads us. Lord, you alone can rescue. You alone can save. You alone can lift us from the grave. And as we think on your uniqueness, your power and your promise, please help us to respond to your call on our lives, to share in the victory that you have won over sin and death, to proclaim the good news of the gospel and to live out victorious lives in your praise and service. In your name and for your glory alone we pray. Amen.